Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive you. And one of the ways I do that is by giving you my top five productivity tips absolutely free. To get them, just go to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. On the show today, Emily Melius. She is the founder and CEO of Launch Consulting. She is passionate about helping people live fulfilling lives and companies make the best use of their employees' efforts. An incredible conversation. Let's get right to it. Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on the show because we connected on LinkedIn and then you reached out to me and say, hey, let's do a FaceTime. We did a FaceTime and I said, hey, I want to have you on my show. And now here you are. I know it was awesome, but we hit it off right away and we have tons to talk about. I mean, it conversation flows easily with you. Yes. Well, thank you very much for that compliment. But before we get started, we got to talk about your last name because we both have challenging <laughs> last names. And with a name like Strucheski, I don't understand why people have a difficult time with it. I learned how to spell it and say it since I was age three. I thought my teachers were stupid, but I understand. So that's why I have MrProductivity.com for my listeners. But you have a name that's, well, tell the story you shared with me on our FaceTime because I think that was uh, the mispronunciation of your name was hysterical. Yeah, well, I will say I haven't, had your situation because I was born with my maiden name was actually very straightforward. Okay. So I was up until I got married to my most amazing husband. I was Emily Maine and it was M-A-I-N. So it's as simple and straightforward as it gets. And I never dealt with anybody mispronouncing my name. And then I got married to this amazing man that has a last name of Melius. M-E-L-I-O-U-S. And I even remember when I first met him, I mispronounced his name. I thought it was Melius or Melias or something along those lines. But what you bring up is what happened to me just this past uh, Christmas. We were at a Christmas luncheon for a local chamber and there were probably four to 500 people there. And I was a newly elected board member. So we were all the all the new board members were being introduced. And to this huge crowd of people, the president of the board introduced me as Emily Malicious. <laughs> <laughs> so I stand up and my teammate looks at me with horror because she obviously caught the mispronunciation. And I thought, man, of all the iterations of, uh, you know, I would have taken just about anything else, but Mrs. Malicious. And I hope that is far from any accurate descriptor of me. So it's, uh, it is Melius. Well, I've only known you for less than a month and I don't think you're malicious or any kind of negative connotation. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, I, I hope that wasn't in his mind. I think it probably was just being in the moment and I'm sure he too regrets that that's what came out. Well, I remember back in the day when, when I used to speak, remember back in the day, long years ago, we used to go out and speak and I would write out my introduction for the meeting planners and I would not spell it out S-T-R-U-C-Z-E-W-S-K-I. I would type out S-T-R-U hyphen C-H-S-C-H-E-S-S hyphen S-K-E-E. And mm -hmm. I'd say, 
please practice this out loud several times. And I ask him right before they introduce me, did you practice it? Yup. And they go, here's Mark. You didn't practice it. I could tell you didn't practice it. I told you to practice it. And they wung it. And I hate when people wing it, especially if you have a name like yours or like mine. Even if you have a name like Maine, make sure you practice out loud because now when you're standing in front of four or 500 people, mm-hmm. you don't want to say the name wrong because not only does it reflect bad on the speaker, it reflects bad on you because you're like, they look at their program and like, that's not the name. And so it doesn't take that long. So if you're a meeting planner listening to this, please say the name out loud several times, practice it so you don't look unprofessional in front of the crowd. I hear you. That's a good tip. It's good for all of us. <laughs> yes. Like when I have you on the show, I would not say, well, yeah, I'm not going to look what a name. Who is, is it? Meredith? Heidi? Stacey? Who is it? it that's, it's unprofessional. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, no one's messed up my first name. But, yes. you know, there's a first time for everything. So probably along the way, I'll get that too. Absolutely. Well, before we get started with our conversation, why don't you take about 20 seconds or so. Tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So I empower people to thrive in work, school, and life. And the way that I do that is by helping them to both identify and then harness their strengths. I find that a lot of people, unfortunately, don't understand how it is that they naturally problem solve and get results. And as a result, they're not uh, finding careers that are most rewarding for them. And similarly, companies often don't really know how to optimize the talent in their companies. And so they're getting bogged down in people problems. They have wrong people, wrong seats. And so those are the kinds of things that we help people solve for and and then experience the fulfillment and productivity and satisfaction that comes from that. And the, the company that I founded to do all of that is called Launch Consulting. And uh, we've been doing that kind of work since 2007. Let's talk about strengths, because as I study the world, there are two camps. There are people say, focus on your strength, outsource the weaknesses. And there are people saying, outsource the strengths and focus on the weaknesses. Where do you you fall down on that that debate? I am definitely in the former camp. I don't know about you, but anytime I've ever tried to work on my strengths, I get some pretty mediocre, or I'm sorry, weaknesses. I get some pretty mediocre weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're all born with a unique way of doing things. Yep. And I believe very strongly that that that's not a coincidence. That wasn't a mistake, right? It's part of our purpose in life. Yep. And we need to lean in. You know, it's... I don't, I guess I just don't even understand why would we choose the friction filled path (laughs) when there is a frictionless path, right? So absolutely. And I mean, in my work with folks and, and actually there's hard evidence to show that when we work against our grain, and I know that word strengths means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I'm happy to expound on that a bit, but when we work against our natural flow, if you will, it takes 12 times more mental energy. Wow. And that's why we get sick. We're stressed, we're tired, and it results in burnout. So I would say it's not just my opinion that working on your weaknesses doesn't work so well. 
I mean, our bodies physically can't handle pushing against the brick wall for long periods of time. And that's to me what working against the grain is. An example I use all the time is let's say you're an executive and you have to create a spreadsheet, but the the word spreadsheet, you break out in hives, but you, <laughs> right. you, but you got to do it, but you didn't know how, but maybe there's, let's say Susie in your office and she lives, breathes and dreams about spreadsheets. And you walk down to her office and you probably wouldn't even have to get the whole sentence out of your mouth. And she'd say, I'll do it. I'll do it. Cause she loves it. That's her strength. So why go through sweating and for those of you who have hair, pulling your hair out and stressing <laughs> and, and getting all anxious when Susie would love to do it for you and she'd probably do a much better job than you would anyways. But we feel like, well, it's my responsibility. I got to do it. You know, I'm the leader. No, good leaders know how to outsource the stuff that they're not good at. Yeah. Delegate and automate. Yes. And to your point, uh, for everything that you hate doing, there's someone who loves doing it. Yep. And good leaders find those folks and assemble that team so that everyone's operating in their strengths. And when we all get together, I mean, it's remarkable the kind of productivity that can come from that. But forcing it, you know, again, we just get exhausted. Morale goes down. Productivity's down. There's really no winning in that scenario. No. And and I, you know, like you mentioned, you're talking about strengths and what we're all called to do. You know, I'm a communicator. You know, I could stand up in front of a crowd. I could be on a podcast. I could do live video training. I'm in my element. My wife, on the other hand, she's like, if it's just you in the room, I'm happy. You know, we all have Mm -hmm. our thing. We're not all speakers. We're not all podcasters. We're not all bloggers. We're not all coaches. You have to operate in your strength. And that's why what makes me sad in the world is I see so many people, they're unhappy. I mean, they're at a job. They're making a lot of money. They got great benefits and vacation and a company car and maybe all this stuff. But they're not happy because when you start talking to them, that's not what they want to do. They just happen to be good at it, but they're they're not passionate about it. And you only get one life. And I really believe, Emily, that we're all called to do something. And I didn't find out my calling, I think, until I was 50. I'll be 55 uh, this Sunday. It's my birthday, by the way. I'll be double nickel. Happy but, birthday. <laughs> thank you. So I, I think people need to realize that if you don't know what you want to be when you grow up, it's okay. Colonel Sanders didn't fry his first piece of chicken until 69. So don't force... What's my calling? This must be my calling. You know when you discovered your calling. So why don't you talk a little bit about strengths and people's calling and purposes in life? Happy to. And before I get into that, I'll I'll first say it's been my observation that high achievers actually have the hardest time finding their calling. Really? Yes, because... They're pretty darn good at whatever they set their mind to. And that can become very confusing because what you excel in is different than a term that Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach created, which is called unique ability. But there's a difference between those things. So for an example, I took calculus way back in high school. Why? (laughs) Right? I question the same thing. It was required. And I took AP calculus at that. So I was really nuts, right? Yeah, right? Bad idea. Somehow, I got an A in AP calculus. Okay? Because I am 
confession, you know, I'm a high achiever. I am very hard on myself for accomplishing what I set out to do. I technically excelled, right, in AP calculus, (laughs) although I couldn't do any of it now. But I hated calculus. I hated everything about it. By no means should that have had anything to do, and thankfully it doesn't, with my career path. (laughs) But I do find that a lot of the counsel out there for finding our calling, for finding our fit, is, well, what are you good at? Yeah. Right. And we're asking, in, in what areas do you excel? But competence is not the same as fulfillment or those things that bring us the greatest satisfaction and productivity. So when I talk about strengths, what I mean is our how. So there's three factors that are required for a person to be both successful and fulfilled because to your point, there's a lot of successful but unfulfilled people. Mm-hmm. And people tend to want both, right? We, yes. we, want, we want to do well because that tends to have monetary implications, but we also want to love what we do and, and be productive at it. So the three things that have to fit are your what, your why, and your how. So obviously what is what you know, and you have to have the skills to do the job, right? If you're not capable, if you don't have what you need to get the job done, you know, you can't be a surgeon and not have gone to medical school, right? Mm -hmm. But the smartest person is not always the most successful, right? Or most satisfied. Then there's your why, which a lot of people are talking about these days, thanks to Simon Sinek, which is great, right? Why do you get out of bed every morning? Why Mm -hmm. do you put forth energy? It's your motivation. It's your passion. But I also know a lot of people that got into a job or industry because they were incredibly passionate about it and got totally burned out Mm. because it wasn't a fit in other ways. So that leads me to your how, which sadly, very few people talk about and many go through life never understanding it about themselves. So that's what I get to uncover for people. That's actually the how is my unique area of expertise. And it's your mode of operating. It's your instinctual way of taking action and getting results. So two people can be equally skilled and passionate, but their method for getting to a result is distinctive. And that's those three boxes must all be checked. Majority does not win. But if a person can really find that role that fits their what, why, and how, they are absolutely set up for success and fulfillment. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to share a story with you from our family dentist. This guy went to school, graduated with honors with mechanical engineering degree. Mm-hmm. Then he said, I don't want to be a mechanical engineer. He went back to dentistry school and graduated honors. That's dedication. But he didn't yeah. feel it. He wasn't feeling it. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I asked him, I was like, why? He goes, I wasn't passionate about it. I said, what'd you yes. go? I said, when I started, I thought I wanted to become a mechanical engineer. Mechanical engineer. I thought I wanted to be. And it got to a point, I was almost done with my degree. And I'm like, I don't want to quit now. So I finished the degree, but as soon as I finished the degree, I enrolled in dentistry school. I'm like, 
at first I'm like, that's crazy. But then I thought, that's crazy awesome. Because he recognized that he didn't want to be a mechanical engineer. And most people would say, well, I don't want to become a mechanical engineer, but I got the degree, so I'm stuck. He said, I'm not going to settle for that. And I think so many people think because they have a degree in something, well, paid the money, got the paper. I guess I got to be a mechanical engineer. And he said, no. And I, I applaud him for that. I think that's tremendous. Cause I think he's in the minority. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And think of it. The first 20 some years of our lives are all about getting the skills, Yep. <laughs> right? We're, we're learning that what piece for our career, but what we're not being taught is our why or our how. Yes. <laughs> so it's not surprising then that so many people, I mean, the statistics about the state of the American workforce are bleak. You know, the amount of disengagement, burnout, anxiety, depression, and American workers stress is horrific. Yeah. And the amount of students that are changing their majors once and then multiple times, I think it's one third of students change it once, 10% of students change it multiple times. Wow. Uh, a, a significant amount of people aren't doing like that individual, what they majored in college. So the system is broken. And yeah. I'm telling you, it is because we are so over-focused on, can you pass the test to yes. be a mechanical engineer? No one helped him understand, are you passionate about that kind of work? And does what, what you do day-to-day -day play into your modus operandi? Yep. And it kills me. And that's why I'm so passionate. I've never been accused of not being passionate. So I'm so <laughs> passionate about revealing the, the larger picture, revealing the rest of the formula, because I'm not overstating it when I say peeling back the blindfold, if you will, for people so that they can see that three-part equation. Because most, again, are only taught about one or two pieces, certainly not yep. all three. Doing that for folks is life changing. It truly opens up a whole new world of possibilities and it takes them out of that cruddy place that you talk about where we're settling and it becomes, no, I want more. I deserve more. I'm called to more. And now I know how to go get it. Yeah. And what's interesting is I used to serve my church at the youth group and the kids were in high school and they're all talking about college. And, and I would say, why do you want to go to college? And they're like, um, everybody goes to college. No, 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 no. Talk about everybody. I'm talking about you. Why do you want to go to college? Because here's the thing. If you want to be an app developer, you don't have to go to college. If you want to be a construction guy, you don't have to go to college. So don't say I have to go to college. Step back and figure out, like you said, you what, the why, and the how. Let's, why do you want to, what, what skills do you want to learn? What do you want to be when you grow up? Why do you want to be that? How passionate are you? Because people are out there, and I, I was guilty of this for a while. I'm like, oh, I take this course and take this course and take this course and go to this webinar. And I'm like, wait, stop. This is crazy. The answer is not more learning. The answer is self-discovery. What do I want to be when I grow up? But yes. It's so easy to go take these courses and all this other stuff when we're not taking time to go, what do I really want to accomplish in this life? And I don't think people stop and think that. We're always going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We're always going the next day, the next hour. Go, 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 go. We don't take, take stock of our life and go, okay, what do I want out of life? I mean, when I first 
when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a firefighter because my dad was a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Then I wanted to be a radio DJ, and I was a radio DJ for a while, for about eight years. Um, side note, if you think Washington, D.C. is politic- political, try being a radio DJ. It's so much backstabbing there. So I got out of that. For a while, I was an inventory control coordinator, and it wasn't until I was fired from my job in July of 2005 from a local hospital. No, I was not a – remember I said inventory control coordinator. When I say that, people go, were you a doctor or a surgeon? No, I was an inventory control coordinator. I thought I wanted to be an inventory control coordinator. But I got kicked out of the mama board, kicked me out of the nest, and I fell on my face. And had I not been fired, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So things happen for a reason. And it goes back to what I said earlier. If you don't know what you want to be when you grow up, it's okay. If you're still breathing, if your brain is still working, start trying new things. Expose yourself. Read this book. No, that doesn't just me. Take this course. Nope, that doesn't just me. Eventually, you're going to find it. And when you find it, it's gonna you're going to want to do it every day. Like I wake up every day. I can't wait to serve the world. I love what I do. But it took me 50 years to find that. Yeah. And Mark, I don't know if you know this, but I've met with over a thousand students in my career so far. And it is sad to see them search externally, right? Mm. They're looking, what did my dad do? What does Aunt Sally say I should do? What career pays the most? You know, what looks flashy and sexy? What, what, you know, where do I get to wear a cool suit and have a neat high rise office, right? That is the wrong place to look. To your point, it starts with self-discovery. We have to start with having a better, deeper understanding of who we are and how we're wired to succeed. And that's where the breadcrumbs start, right? You know, to mm-hmm. your point, it's maybe this breadcrumb and then the next breadcrumb, you know, it doesn't all come in, in one big wave, nope. but, <laughs> but we have to start in the right place. And I got to tell you, Mark, I've had a lot of parents tell me about their child who has no idea what he or she wants to major in and is headed off to college and, and parents will say, well, that's what college is about. It's, it's about to, you know, discovering yourself and figuring it out. (laughs) And I'm thinking, whoa, that's a really expensive (laughs) quote unquote self-discovery exercise, right? (laughs) That does not feel right to me because I've never seen a college student who has gone into college totally confused without any self-awareness and no direction come out clearer. <laughs> and that's because to your point, taking more classes now, yes, exposure is good, right? But that's, that's because I feel like that kind of student is still lurk, looking externally. They're hoping that if I take a science class, it's going to click, it's going to be obvious, but they, they have to know themselves. Yep. And that's where you have to start. And then the college experience can be validating, confirming, right? But just walking through a you know, six-figure debt experience, hoping that it's going to slap you in the face is just, I've, I have yet to see that happen. Well, man, think of it this way, listener. If you walked into a store, let's say you're going to buy a new iPhone. You walked in the Apple store and you, a sales rep comes up and you hand them $1,000. And so, yeah, I'm going to buy an iPhone. They're like, well, kind. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't think anything. You'd want to go pick up the iPhone and then pay for it. Well, when you're going to college to discover yourself, you're giving the college thousands of dollars and you have gotten nothing in return. So 
take control of your life. And we're not just talking to 18 year olds. We're talking to 28 year olds, 38 year olds, 58 year olds. You know, just don't money is not the issue. If you don't know your why, like Emily said, then stop right there. And what I suggest people do, Emily, I'd like to know your thoughts. I think people need to go someplace quiet because we don't do that enough anymore. Get a piece of paper, not on your phone, not on your iPad, not on your your MacBook, a piece of paper and a notebook and something to write with and maybe some water and just sit there and just say what at the top, say what I want to do in my life and just start writing because that's going to be you focused on you and your dreams and your calling. You can't be around surfing social media and listen to people talk and then the TV on and because you're not going to be able to focus. You need to get that answer from your subconscious mind. And it's like a stubborn teenager. It doesn't just go on command. You have to start, you know, writing. And, and I tell this exercise to everyone, just give yourself the gift of some quiet time and you'd be amazed because, you know, we have, it happens when we're in the shower or on a run or whatever. All these ideas fart, start flooding out of our head. But when we're, we're on the phone and talking to people and doing all kinds of things, we can't think right. But we're quiet. And I think we need to get back to quiet. We need to get back to silence. We need to get back to, you know, it's just going to be me meditating and thinking. Because people think that's laziness, but it's actually, it's a very effective tool. Oh, absolutely. And I would add to your exercise, I encourage listeners to think back to a time when they were on their A game, so to speak. Mm. What were you doing? How were you doing it? Why were you doing it? What skills did you employ to do that thing? And it doesn't have to be work-related. It can be in your Mm -hmm. personal life. It could be in your professional life. But something that was work, you know, you're putting an effort but it was the good kind of effort, yeah. right? You might you might have been exhausted at the end, but it was good kind of exhausted because you accomplished something and you were free to do it your own way. So reflect on that when in your life, because that's a clue. And then I also encourage the listeners to ask others, you know, choose five people in yes. your life that know you and ask them, what do you think I do? exceptionally well, better than anybody else. What strengths do you see in me? Right. Cause it's also, it's hard to be objective about ourselves uh, yeah. and, and other people aren't even objective, but it's really nice to get that viewpoint. Not only is it a confidence boost, but people probably more quickly see in you mm-hmm. what it is that you do so well, what your fit is than, than we even see in ourselves. So those are two things I would add, look back, ask around. And when you start to journal on those things, that picture is going to start forming itself. Yep. Now, I'm curious, what did you want to be when you were a young child? <laughs> and as you grew up, take us through, like I shared my, you know, firefighter and all that stuff and radio DJ. What did you want to be far back as you can remember? What is the first thing you wanted to be? And it's okay if you say mermaid, because <laughs> I, guess lot, I guess girls wanted to be mermaids when they're growing up. So... Admittedly, I do not remember my childhood dream. I'm sure it it changed multiple times. (laughs) I will say that when I was in high school, I told my parents, I want to get paid to talk 
<laughs> so I think I've done a pretty darn good job wow. <laughs> because at this point, uh, thankfully people pay me for my advice, uh, which is, you know, communicated by talking through it. So uh, I was pretty spot on, but I will say I had exposure to an assessment in middle school and it's an assessment unlike any other. So all other assessments measure some aspect of personality or intelligence. Mm-hmm. And this particular assessment measures your how, right? So we spent okay. a lot of time talking about that, but it's called conation. That's a certain part of the, the mind and it's how you instinctually operate, right? And as a sixth grader, I got this piece of information about myself and I carried that through with me throughout my schooling experience. And I noticed that I had so much more self-awareness and therefore confidence and therefore direction in my life Nice, as opposed to my peers. And those simple little differences were huge in the grand scheme of things. And that's why I was passionate very early on about giving people that same benefit of understanding about themselves and where they fit as early on as possible to save them from the pain and frustration of getting in the wrong job of, you know, fighting school and teachers of, you know, fighting tooth and nail or settling, right? There's just so many people that every day, every hour of work is a battle and that breaks my heart. And so that's, those are the things that really set my path. And, you know, it wasn't, I didn't have one day of epiphany, but it certainly built on each other. And it, and it started back in, I would say, sixth grade. Interesting you mentioned that because in ninth grade, now we're going back to 1979. I, you're probably younger than I am. Um, I, I remember taking, uh, I don't remember what the test was called, some kind of occupational test. Mm. And it said, based on my answers, I would be having a career in agriculture, ag- agriculture or farming. I don't do anything with those two things. And what's amazing is during high school and college, I did not want to do oral reports. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to speak in front of anyone. Now, as a parent from anyone who's ever seen me speak or the podcast, you can't keep me to shut up. I don't know what happened. (laughs) I don't know what happened. It says, and it's funny you mentioned how, you know, you knew when you were, you know, back in sixth grade. When I was first became an entrepreneur back in 2005, I was a wedding and portrait photographer. And one of the ways I promoted my business was I would go out to other groups and teach them how to be better photographers. And the first group I ever spoke to was the National Association of Women in Construction. And I was scared to death. I didn't, what am I doing? <laughs> I don't like doing oral reports. And my wife told me afterwards, because she went with me, she says, oh my goodness, every woman at that conf- at the conference there was on the edge of their seat. You have a way of speaking. And very quickly after that, I threw away the camera. Well, I didn't throw away the camera. I I sold it, and I became a speaker. And I I love helping people. I love helping people. When I work with a client, whether it's one on one group coaching on a webinar or you know out in public, or whatever, and I get them unstuck, and I see the lights come on, like wow, to me that is such a thrill. I love serving people, and for me, it's not about the money. I mean, we're going through COVID-19. I lost a lot of my clients because they lost their jobs. So I lost them clients. And people go, how can you keep serving people? I'm like, 
what else am I going to do? Like binge watch Netflix all day? So I'm, I'm constantly producing content for social media, my email newsletter, webinars and stuff like that. And people go, wow, you just, they, th- people think I'm a multi-billionaire for some reason. I have no idea why. But I, I said, look, it, you need to serve when you have no money. And when you have a lot of money, you need to serve when you have no clients, when you have a lot of clients, you need to serve because you're called to serve. And I'm called to serve. I want to help people. And I can tell, like, this is only the second real conversation you and I had. You're, you're a giver. You're a person who wants to serve as well. And I don't, I get a feeling it's not about the money for you. It's about helping other people. Yeah. Well, that's called integrity. Yeah. Right. Doing the same thing when no one's watching. Yes. You know, or the right thing, I guess I say, when no one's watching. Yes. If we were different when there was money involved or fame or whatever else, then we wouldn't have very much integrity. And I yeah. know that's, you know, not true for us. So, yeah, I, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about you were revealing your what, your why, your how, right? Your why is helping people, serving people. Your how is to be very entrepreneurial. You've been that way throughout your whole life as you've described all the different ventures you've gotten into. And your what is you've developed skills and frameworks and understanding for coaching and productivity, right? It's like I talk to people about Serena Williams. Obviously, she has a natural gift for being an athlete, right? She I could I could practice just as much as she does, (laughs) but I am certain I will not be the tennis player that she is because she she was just born with this raw talent, yeah. right? However, if Serena Williams did not practice, if she did not train, if she did not learn the skill to build on her raw talent, she yep. too would not have gotten so far. 100%. So that's why, to your point, you built up skills of public speaking because you knew deep down that was something that you're naturally drawn to, or that was part of your how and part of something you're passionate about. So it, it just keeps coming back to that tree of how are those things playing together and working out for you to promote you in what you're doing in life and to help you find that path of fulfillment. I couldn't agree more. You said it very well. And I, I, I tell people, you know, because today we're recording this on June 16th. Listener, you're listening on June 17th. And I have run, as of today, 1,023 days in a row, at least one mile. And when people go, how did you run so many days in a row? Uh, started with day one, then day two, then day mm-hmm. four. I didn't get to day 1,023 in one day. And I am committed and we shared about this before, I think maybe this is our other conversation. I commit to one hour minimum of personal development every day, seven days a week. Maybe I'm reading a blog post. Maybe I'm reading a book. Maybe I'm attending a webinar, rewatching a course I invested in. If you look at the high performers in our society today, they commit to personal development every single day. Mark Cuban, the billionaire who owns the NBA Dallas Mavericks, reads three hours a day. Warren Buffett reads three to four hours a day. There's a reason why they're at their level they're at. They don't settle. They don't go, well, I made my billions. I'm going to sit back and watch Netflix or Hulu. They're constantly improving. So if you get nothing else out of this interview, because Emily gave you a ton of things to think about, how much personal development time are you spending every single day, even on vacation? I mean, is it that important to you? Because if you look at the successful people, it's a priority for them. And when I see people say, well, I don't have time for it. I'm like, how much TV do you watch every night? And they're like, what's that got to do with anything? You just told me you had no time. 
and I, I go right for the jugular. I go right for the TV time because I know what they're doing. They're spending four to six hours of TV, watching TV every night. So that tells me what your priority is. Your priority is not getting to the next level or finding out your what, high or what, why or how. Your, your, your big thing is like, well, who got voted off the island this week? I mean, and what I, what I would say, Mark, to the listeners is you have to believe that you're worth it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because it is investing in yourself. And I fear that a lot of people don't necessarily believe that they're worth it. I agree. And so, you know, we find excuses or we, you know, bumble along and we settle. But the day you believe I'm worth this. I am going to spend an hour on myself every day because I have value. I am capable. I have something to contribute. That's the start of, I would say, a whole new life. Yes. And as the evangelical Christian that I am, I don't believe there's a single person on this planet that's a mistake. We are all put here for a reason. We are all given a gift. And so if you have trouble thinking that you're worthy, well, then I want you to go find an audio book, find a podcast, find a book, find something, go find someone that's a close friend of yours who believes in you and tell them your struggles. Don't stay in this alone because you are worth it. You are worth it. I'm telling you, and I know Emily feels the same way. You are worth it. You've got to tell yourself, I am worth it because I think once you believe that you're beautiful, you're wonderfully created, you're you're worth it, then things are going to start sprouting. Like imagine a, uh, a plant coming out of the ground. And then you're going to start sprouting and you're going to start getting excited about life. Because if you're not excited about life, I get up at 5 a.m. every day and I love it every day. I get to serve the world. If you wake up and go, I don't know if you remember this um, where you are, but there's this, used to be a commercial called from Dunkin' Donuts called Time to Make the Donuts. You remember that commercial? Uh-huh. And the guy was like, time to go to make the donuts. Then how do you wake up? You got a problem. You should wake up and say, well, you know, I woke up today and I do my Brendan Burchard high performance planner. And the, one of the questions in the morning mindset says, what are you excited? What is one thing you're excited about today? And I said, Emily's interview. I look forward to it because I look forward to every guest I interview, every client I have. I look forward to it. Do you go into everyday listener saying, I can't wait to see what this day has in store? Or if you're like, oh, man, it's time to get up already. It's all starts from within. And you've got to accept that. And that energy is contagious. If you feel excited to go make the donuts right, or whatever <laughs> it is that you're going to go do that way or have, a, have an interview then you attract people in your life that reflect that high confidence, that high energy, that high excitement, that passion. And it just creates this whole, um, I would say, social structure around yes. you that also feeds back into that. It's, it's really neat how you can change your whole world, your relationships, your job, your colleagues, right? Just by starting with investing in yourself. Yeah. And I'll I'll share with you, I, I believe it's Dr. Seuss that said, no one is youer than you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that too. So no one is youer than you. So go out and be the best version of you 
that you can be and cre- we're created to be. Yes, 100%. And stop with the negative talk. Don't say, I can't, I shouldn't, I won't, I'll never. Stop hanging around negative people. Stop watching the news. I mean, if you want to watch it for, like I do, 30 minutes every day, so I stay informed, not obsessed, that's fine. But you need to surround yourself with people who are going to uplift you. So if you've got friends in, friends in your life who are saying, oh, Emily, why don't we just go party all weekend and play Fortnite? No, that's not what you want. You want people to say, yay, you got another client. Yay, you got another whatever the case may be. You want people cheering you on. So evaluate who you're hanging around because the late Charlie Tremendous Jones once said, in five years, you'll be the same person you are today except for the books you read and the people you meet. So who are you meeting? What are you consuming? So exchange the word books with anything you're consuming. Because I believe if you're going to have a great year, 2020 or 2021 or 2022, it starts with you. If you don't believe you can't, what Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can or you can't, either way, you're right. So choose positivity. Choose you can. Not saying you're going to make it, but choose that way and you'll be better off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it was Anne Frank who said, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for somebody else to make that difference. No one's Start coming to your it. door. No one's coming to your door. No one's coming. <laughs> and it starts with you, which I think is exciting because you can control yes. your own fate. I mean, yes. you don't have to rely on anyone else <laughs> and all boats rise with the tide. Like we just said, if, if you choose to be positive, if you choose to uh, you know, be successful and and be excited about every day. You will lift up the people around you. Whereas, 100%. if you choose negative, you'll bring everybody down with you. So it's you know, it's it's again, it's not about the external. It's not about waiting for something else out there to come turn your life around. It starts with you, which is exciting because there's nothing holding you back. Absolutely. Emily, this has been a great conversation with you. Final question I have for you is where can people find out more about you? I just said the word you like three times in like 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so they can find out more at www.launchconsulting.io. The .io is a little tricky. So launchconsulting.io. And I would love for them to connect with me on LinkedIn. So Emily, and like we talked about, tricky last name, Melius. Don't look for malicious. You won't find her. (laughs) No, I'm not there. Nope, nope, nope. M-E-L-I-O-U-S. And it would be amazing to connect with your listeners because I'm sure they are incredible folks. They are. And you're incredible. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Sure. The pleasure is all mine. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com, and get my top five productivity tips for absolutely free. Hey, if you haven't done so already, it would mean the world to me, and I mean the world, if you would subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to take it to the next level, tell two or three of your friends or colleagues about it so I can help them too. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.